All right. So we've gone over uh, start to finish, soup to nuts, our obsession with the band Fish. That started uh, for me when I was 14 years old. Yeah, right about the same here. And here we are uh, looking at 40, still going and still chasing. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian for a living. You do a lot of production. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of... Editing, uh, writing. Editing, writing, creative stuff. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you, I mean, do you feel that this band and the experiences that you've had have influenced you as a professional adult? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. First off, um, I I guess this really isn't uh, in, in the realm of influencing, but it's also, it's been my... Escape and cathartic release a lot when when you know life bears down and work bears down, um, you know having that show on the horizon to look forward to or even just having that music at your fingertips. It's it's been something that's that gets me through the day. It yeah. really just this 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 uh, authentic love uh, of the music really is something I'm so grateful for because it pacifies the soul in in a lot of ways. But when it comes to work and, and thinking creatively, it, it's watching them night in and night out take risks. Um, is, is something that's inspiring and, you know, and, and knowing that all those risks aren't always going to land. I mean, it, you know, you, it, there's a lot to learn about, um, you know, failure and just put perseverance and, and, you know, the, the next show is going to be better or whatnot. And also, um, they're a bunch of clowns too. They, yeah. they, they, they're professionals. They're, they don't take themselves too seriously. And that's something that I really, uh, take to heart a whole lot, but I definitely, I know, um, and I've heard you speak on it a lot, so I really I kind of want to interview you a little bit about how not just Fish, but the Grateful Dead and, and music um, has kind of influenced how you do your comedy. But first off, when, when did you get into comedy? Oh, boy. I started in 2010. Okay. I was out of things to do. I, I had... A couple of jobs. Bore, that boredom. <laughs> I was bored. Yeah, no. I was very bored. Yep. And uh, I was sick of working for someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't like faking it. And I felt like if this is what life is like, then yep. I'm, I'm all set. Yep. And I don't mean that in like a, a you know, way, end yeah. of times kind of way. Mm. I just meant there needs to be more. I tried so many different things. I tried sales. I tried teaching. Mm-hmm. I tried, you know, landscaping and all these other... And I always had this fear of going for it. And I kind of felt this weird sense of you need to have security. You need to have, um, you know, money in the bank and all these other things. And due to whatever in life happened, I ended up moving out to Colorado, had a horrible snowboarding accident, broke my arm severely, came back for surgery. Is that that scar? Yeah. Big old me. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a... Big nasty. Put that thing away, please. Snap my humorous bone in half snowboarding. And then I came back and um, I went on a date and it was a bad date. And I said, let's go into this comedy club so we don't have to talk. I I popped into Caroline's on Broadway and there was a uh, sign up that said new talent night. And I thought, whoa, like anyone can do this. Yeah. And I went up to someone who worked there and I was like, what's the story with this? And they said, yeah, you just sign up and there's like a course that you could take and so on. And I went to this course, and I went real cocky. The, I got my ass handed to me, and the, the woman who was running the course said, you know, you have comfort. You have a comfort level. You seem to know how to take the mic out of the stand and all those other kind of things, but um, don't waste my time or yours 
and come unprepared. She goes, I don't need that, and you don't need that. She goes, go home and make a list of things that have happened to you in your Mm -hmm. life. Go home and make a list of fears, real emotions, and uh, come back with, you know, uh, some jokes next week. And I wrote the first five minutes of jokes. Fantastic advice, by the way. It was amazing. And, I mean, I still use that. If I'm ever at a writer's block, I go through and I go, like, what am I feeling right now? It all led up to a graduation class where me and the other folks that took her seminar uh, invited 15 of our friends-ish to come see a show, uh, not realizing that it was gratuity and a little bit of, uh, you know, we're here to support you. Yeah. Um, And now looking back, I'm embarrassed that I even asked people, but everybody did great. Because who's going to do bad? Yep. You're there with, you know, there's people there to support you. Your mm-hmm. best friends are there. Yep. And I got up and I did my five minutes. And I remember all the jokes that I wrote that were just awful. <laughs> if you're not looking back at yourself and, and seeing, you know, being I embarrassed, won- you haven't grown. I wonder if the, the thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm but then, gotcha. you know, but I did well and I walked off stage and I was like, oh, comedy. I go, this is my life now. Watch mm-hmm. out, world. Yep. Here comes me. And uh, two nights later, three nights later, I went to an open mic in New York, and I did those same five minutes, mm-hmm. and I thought that like the world was going to open to me. Yeah. I got crickets. People were walking out, and they're like, you hack. <laughs> you fucking hack. Your friends and, aren't here to help you anymore. And now looking back, yeah, oh, dude, and it, I never felt so nervous, and I was just yeah. like free-falling, mm-hmm. and I felt this fear but I was instantly addicted. Yeah. And then I went home and I said, I need to change every single thing in my life to build around comedy. It's all I wanted to do. Wow. And at that time, and even up till now, the longest relationship I've had with anything in my life has been fish. And I thought a lot about how they do what they do. And doing comedy is the most scary thing in the world. I, I did that first set. And the woman who ran the class said, come back next Sunday and do a quick guest spot, which is just, you know, you go down, you do a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had to go up with a brand new five minutes. I didn't know that you can use those old minutes again. Is that because of naive, you know, oh yeah, young, naive to the world, stupid yep. kid? Yep. And I went up and I was like, oh, I got to write five brand new minutes. This is kind of difficult. <laughs> And it was NFL playoffs, mm-hmm. and the Jets were in it, and Rex Ryan was the coach, and I made a joke about how like he ate his place kicker or something like that, and no one laughed. And I came off stage, and I went into the green room, and I like threw my water bottle against the wall. The woman who ran the thing came over and goes, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, I, I don't know what just happened. Like I thought I was good at this. And she's like, that's the second time you've ever done, or the third time you've ever done comedy. Yeah. Like, do those other jokes that worked. And I'm like, oh, you can do that? I had no clue. Wow. And you kind of had to, like, learn. I thought everything was you just do different, different stuff. stuff. You walk out there, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then it was just relearning New York City. Yeah. Figuring out I can get from this club to that club if I take this train. And that place has an open mic. And I can... And I went to to New Haven, Connecticut and knocked on the door at Joker's Wild Comedy Club that's now defunct. And like one of my first friends, Pat, like opened up the door and was like the manager there. And I was like, hey, I do comedy now. And he's like, "Okay," (laughs) like like, I didn't know what I I didn't know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like, "Uh, yeah, come back Wednesday. We have open mics, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I love how you just you (laughs) dove in head first. And that was the that was all I I wanted and thought that you do. I didn't know. There's no. 
you know, you get a job, they give you a laptop and a VPN and they show yeah. you where to sit. Yeah. This is like, you just figure it out. Yeah. So when was, I mean, you just described like your kind of, oh shit, I want to do this the rest of my life type moment. When, um, when can you describe like one of your first successes? Like when you're like, you, I mean, you just killed and you're like, wow, this is, I'm starting to figure it out. And Well, I would say that like there was, so this club that I started at, they kind of had these shows where you can like throw your own show. <clears throat> and I remember this guy, John, friend of one of my first friends doing comedy. He put on a show and it was like on a Thursday night and we all were doing like 15 or 20 minutes. And I went up with like a lot of new stuff, those couple minutes of old things. And I just had like a couple buddies there, but his friends were laughing mm-hmm. and the, and the, the bartender was laughing and then comics were listening and like other people that I didn't know were like, yo, you're really good at this. And yeah. it was like, I, I remember I had a feeling during it where I started laughing and I was just having a good time. Yeah. And I think it was one of the first times in my life that I really kind of had like a feeling like I belong here. Uh-huh. And I, I just remember right away, I felt right before every show, like that kind of like Super Bowl walk through the tunnel out into the field. Yeah. The music that like Island Tour Fish mm-hmm. and Frank Zappa's Hot Rats um, and Van Halen were like my pregame Music. It was like my lifting music. Yeah, yeah. And I started to like look at what music got me jacked up for comedy mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And I, I think that after I started doing comedy and I started going to fish, you know, after like kind of like my my New Testament. Yeah. I started to watch them differently. Yeah. So are you, are you drawing parallels between what you do and what they do? No, because okay. they totally do different stuff yeah, every sure, night. Sure. What I started to learn, and I'm very happy that I learned it, mm-hmm. and I learned it by watching my best friends that are my mentors, you know, Big Jay Okerson, Dave Attell, um, a couple of other comics that do crowd work. Mm-hmm. They're doing what Fish does, going up five nights in a city, yeah. and every single show is different. Yep. And I watch them, and I remember now... With comedy, kind of like with music, I believe, where a band will say, come open for us on the road. Kiss brought Rush on the road, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then Rush took off and became their own thing. Uh, Fish opened for Santana. I go on the road with other comics, you know, as when I was two, three years in, four years, five years in. Jay was one of these guys that brought me out on the road. He's a master of crowd work, works off the cuff constantly, mm-hmm. and he's got a way of knowing where... The song begins and where it ends and how it gets to the end, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And that's Fish. Yeah. And I've told him that many times. And it's um, amazing the parallels because he hates the music. <laughs> but it's something where it's, uh, I remember going with him to the Denver Improv. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching him and I was watching the crowd. I like to go into the room before a show mm-hmm. and get a feel for the room yeah. and see who's coming in. And if there's a large party in the back right or if there's glowing penis necklaces uh-huh. and there's a bachelorette party, I know to, you know, just be aware at two o'clock yeah. there's, you know, a, a, a woman with, uh, you know, a headdress of, of glowing ticks <laughs> and they have a cock cake and whatever <laughs> else. And, and who's wasted and who's it looks like they're yeah. on a date. I just like to see that stuff. Yep. 
And I remember watching the crowd come in, and I knew Jay's material was a little blue. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how is he going to do this? And, and, and I watched in awe as he somehow got the entire room on his side. These old, a table of old women went running up to him after, giving him a hug, calling him, his, my baby, my baby. And they never even met him before. And he just was like so nonchalant about mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, that's the music I listen to. Yeah. And I remember kind of being like, fuck, like you can do this with comedy. Yeah. Like you can go. Now, I think what I've tried to do is when I write a joke, if I, if I write a joke that's punchline first, mm-hmm. set up second, I'm able to, sometimes I'll get a thought where I'm like, that's a funny concept. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be somewhere like at the back, the back nine. Yeah. So the front nine is kind of like building up to how do I introduce hipster ghosts, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I think that those jokes I like because I'm able to um, play with the crowd a little bit, talk to them. It doesn't matter what answer they give me. Yeah. I'm going to be able to kind of drag it where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And it's going to end with this like crescendo and big laugh. Yeah. Um, the ones where the setup comes first and the punchline comes after, that's where it's like I look at a situation and I say, okay, this happened, punchline. This thing, whatever, punchline. Those are harder to, to, to improvise. Yeah. Almost the improv comes after. Okay. So there's a way that like kind of it parallels the music because I'm playing it at each night different, and I kind of leave like openings for I could say a different word, mm-hmm. I could reference a different band, mm-hmm. I could reference a different flavor, mm-hmm. I could you know reference a different whatever store, and I could just like cycle in and out different things to keep it fresh for me. Yeah. The yeah. crowd doesn't know yeah, this, yeah, yeah. but I'm doing it to keep it me on my toes. Absolutely. So even if it's just a little note or whatever, and I think that's like a little homage to the music we like. And the I listen to jazz constantly mm-hmm. when I'm writing, and I think that jazz is the music we like is nothing wouldn't have been around if it wasn't for jazz. Absolutely. And I think that like the early stuff, the Charlie Parker and mm-hmm. Thelonious Monk and Miles and all that shit is like yeah. the reason why we have the music that we have. Yep. And I think comedy is the closest thing to jazz because you're able to kind of literally standing there alone, mm-hmm. conjure up a vision and then bring it wherever you want to go. And then what yep. gotcha at the yep. end, you yep. know, and that's fun. Yeah. And I think that now watching the band, I like to sit behind the stage. Okay. I like to watch the crowd, watch the band. I like yeah. to watch the guys interact um, it's fun to watch them kind of explode the place too. I've, I've been on the back of the boat at the garden a bunch of times. It's wild, just, yeah. Watch watch them just energize the whole building and bring them to peaks. It's wonderful. And there are times when I think we all go to a place hmm. when we're at shows, and I think that um, the thing that's really fun about the music that we like is you can kind of like experience firsthand someone going through something big. Yeah, and uh, I've become kind of a little bit more of a observer yeah. because of comedy I think it's yep. like it's almost like getting like a stint put in your brain where like now thoughts just stop uh, things don't flow mm. I, I have a traffic jam bottled up right in near the pineal gland and, and I have to like go through everything with like a it's like it's like TSA lives in my head mm-hmm. and I have to watch every thought very critically because I can go is there material here mm-hmm. I don't want to leave meat on any bone yeah Yep. So if something happens, I have to go through it with a scanner and say, like, okay, this could be material. Let's put this up here with this topic and get to that. And I think the band, and I, I can only imagine, and I think about this probably most often when I think about Fish, is that how many times have they been playing and a, and a progression happens? 
and that ends up being the seed to a song five years later. Yeah, yeah. It has to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There's been jams that turn into songs. Right. Absolutely, yeah. And that, to me, is so weird yeah. and so cool. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that excites me about them is, like, we're always watching a farmer cultivate a new season of crops. Yeah. And, 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 and we sometimes get to, you know, try a, a, you know, a fruit that's a little too, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not ripe. Yep. And then it sits, you know, and they pickle it. Yeah. And then we try it again, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. And we've watched things grow. And it's like that with jokes. I mean, mm-hmm. there are times where I know a punchline works, but I'm bored with the setup. And a new experience will happen. Yep. I travel. I see something. I could take that and turn it into something new because of my new experience. Mm-hmm. And the band with aging and with new pedals and new loops and new things, like they're able to turn, look, Ghost from 1997 is not what it is now. Yeah, absolutely not. And yeah. Fuego now is mm-hmm. not what it was when it, there, there yeah. are different, mm-hmm. and I think that way with jokes too. Definitely. I think the thing, and you hit it, you hit it very perfect at the beginning of this chapter where, you know, they're giving us something different every night and it's a mental, it's like a mental break. Like, we don't need to think about our day. We don't mm-hmm. need to think about our life. It's a, it's a, a respite from reality. Yeah. And uh, we surrender to it, and we're able to relax. That's what I really love about what they do. And the way that that's influenced me is that when I go up on stage, I have to remember that it's a privilege. Yeah. That, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, li- I'm really honored to be able to do what I do and maybe provide a little bit of a break for yeah. someone else. Yeah, you're giving the gift. That 100% Is, is comes there from. times you feel more comfortable doing that? I always think about the level of trust between you and the fans or the band and the fans because yeah. there's, there's a strong level of trust there to I mean, go out there and do different things. We trust the band so much and the band trusts us so much. And I think that the relationship that we have, it's, it's like polarizing mm-hmm. where you either love it or you don't. Jerry Garcia said, our fans are like people who like licorice. Yeah. You either love licorice or you really don't like licorice, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that comedy's that way, too, where I can't expect... If you go up in 100% of the time, you murder, every joke gets a laugh, and everyone in the room likes you, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, you're not, you're not taking the risk. You're not growing. You're not, you're not growing. You're not breaking any new ground. Right. Yeah, none of that. You're doing... Now, there are jokes that... And I think about this with the band. Mm-hmm. How the hell do they play songs that they wrote 25 years ago. You and I have talked about this, yeah. where I just don't know. I'm proud of my, I'm most proud of myself when I go up and do a joke that I don't know for sure is going to f- succeed. Yeah. But in the moment, I have to figure out a way to land on that note that ties it all back mm-hmm. or leads into the next song. Yeah. And I think that that's the fun part about using this band as motivation, is mm-hmm. that there's times where like they just come to a screeching terrible halt and we all go oh the fuck was that <laughs> i do that constantly yeah i mean there are times when i go uh fuck and uh and it's just me yeah and a microphone <laughs> and i have no like and a light on you i have no keyboards yeah. to like ease me in yeah. but in that whole trust thing mm-hmm. i think a lot of it depends on the room a lot of it depends on the aesthetic of the show my place in the show because sometimes i'm Hosting. Sometimes I'm doing a 15-minute spot on a showcase. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm doing an hour. When I'm doing an hour and it's my show and it's my weekend or my my crowd or whatever, then 
I throw all caution to the wind nice. and I just run with it. And I just kind of like let it take its course. And another thing that I learned from the band is that I've kind of, I tape everything. Okay. I record everything mm-hmm. and I go back and I listen. I make sure that whatever I'm doing is, 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 you know, true to me, but also, you know, if the, if the crowd paid, I want to give them a good show. Yeah. And I think that's another thing with, from them, but you know, it's definitely yeah, motivated. work ethic involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and I just really think that there are people who, if they perform or if they do an art and they have this certain inspiration behind them that's mm-hmm. improv, that's improvisational music or improvisational art in some way, it helps them be more forgiving yep. of themselves. Mm-hmm. You're also kind of this weird perfectionist where it's a different type of perfection, Trey said it perfectly imperfect. Yeah. I could I not that. say it better. Yep. And I've said that 10 million times. Yeah. And I, and I, it like made, I, I was like, yeah, yeah. when I heard that yeah. he said that, because I say that all the time. I don't want to be perfect. No. I want to get better. Where's and, the and, fun? Yeah. 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 Where's and the growth? With comedy, there are sometimes that there's just a thought where I know that there's something funny there mm. and it keeps me up for nights. Like I, I literally, literally will lay there thinking like, other people must feel this. Like, this, this has to be relatable. But I just don't know how to get there. Yeah. And, and sometimes it literally just takes getting up on stage and saying the Working words. Yep. And then people laugh. And you go, oh, I could, I could do that. Yeah. Like, that's my loop. Yeah. That's my delay. Yeah. Or that's my pitch shifter or mm-hmm. distortion pedal or whatever. And it's like, I could just go up and throw out a thought and let, it, and let them kind of dissect it and I can come back and say like you guys see what I'm talking you know what I mean and like almost kind of let it organically like turn into something and I I really do think that that that's from the band but there is words and chord structure behind every jam and there are set up bang punchline set up punchline tag to every joke so it's kind of like taking it and going like how do I keep this fresh for me Mm -hmm. so I don't lose my mind yep and I really think that the band is, is, is geniuses at that because how many bands are just going through the motions? Yeah. 35 years, and they're the furthest thing from a nostalgia act Absolutely. that, that exists. Their set list today looks so different than four years ago. Last This summer, they played in St. Louis mm-hmm. while the St. Louis Blues were in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. While the band was on, the game was coming to a close. During set break, the Blues won the Stanley Cup. In order to make that night just a little bit more special for the couple thousand people that were in the room, they learn Gloria, some 80s song. It's special to the, to the fans because the, the players play it when uh, they yeah. win. Yeah, And absolutely. that was like their, their kind of rally cap. Mm-hmm. And they learned it, and they played it. Ugh. <laughs> that wasn't the point. It, it wasn't the point. wasn't the point, absolutely. And then they come out, and then they play Loving Cup. Yeah, yeah. For the cup, absolutely. For the cup. And yeah. it's like, that to me, mm-hmm. that brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. Because here's these dudes that are saying, these people like us so much. Yep. How do we give them an unforgettable moment yeah. that not only will it set a pin in this moment for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. but it also keeps us chasing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I know a lot of people who live in San Francisco around the time the Giants won um, a few years back and they're playing We Are the Champions, the moment they won, it's it, it, it maybe one of their best nights of their life right. that they give it. And that's a moment you're chasing. The, the fact that they are going to harvest from what's going on in the ether, what's around them, yeah. and, and, and doing anything they can to create this moment night in and night out, 
that's that's going to linger with you. That that and and, and you're going to want more. You're going to you're going to end up chasing. Yeah, and the thing that I think is exciting about this, like the fact that we are still chasing, is it's a microcosm and a metaphor for what I've picked up from a lifetime of seeing this band, mm. and I've brought it to other elements of my life. So, anxiety has been a very very big part of my life, for better or worse. It's driven me, mm-hmm. but it's also crippled and debilitated me at times. And I'm always chasing a way to deal with my anxiety. Yeah. It brought me to transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. It brought me to floating in a tank. It brought me to you know microdosing. Mm-hmm. It brought me to hypnotherapy. It's brought me to comedy, Man, exercise. Done it all. I'm trying. <laughs> You're working. Well, it's just because. <laughs> no, and, it. and what it's doing is it's. Yeah. I find that I like something, and then mm-hmm. I go, "All right, well, this helped." Yeah. Let's go find out what this does. Absolutely. And then with comedy, you're filling up a your two, your toolbox. You're making exactly. a toolbox. Yeah, I'm filling my quiver things. with different yep. boat with yep. the different arrows. Yep. And with comedy, you know, you try to write this type of joke. You do an hour. You record an album. You go do. You know, I, I I'm a producer for a television mm-hmm. show. I get to open for them on the road, and I'm going performing for this many people. I'm getting to open up for my heroes like yep. Dave Attell, and yep. then I go fill a room on a weekend, and it's these little things, these little successes. And failures and, yeah. and eating shit and picking yourself up and whatever. And it's what the band did. Mm-hmm. And it's relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's figuring out how to be friends with someone at 40 years old. And how to trim the fat from your life. And how to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And how to maybe be better to yourself. And how to change your diet. And, how to, and all these things that were always chasing happiness. And Fish was a thing that kind of set the blueprint for accepting failure, being open to saying yes to things and accepting that we're all dented cans and we're perfectly imperfect and it's something that I don't want to give up. If they hang it up, we got to find something else to do. <laughs> but I really think that like for now, I'm going to continue to chase and I'm going to continue to be happy just chasing the chase. Yeah. And, and it, the gifts that come along with it are, are plentiful and they allow for growth in, in just a human way. Right. And it's a gift to have a friend like you. And it's a gift to talk to all of these people mm-hmm. that were a part of this project. And it's a gift to have listeners that even want to be a part of any of this. So I'm looking forward to more chasing and more projects. And uh, I'm excited to uh, see where this all takes us. Thank you all. Now for the epilogue.